The Composer Series with John Brown. Hello and welcome, dear listeners, to this, the very first of what we hope to be many episodes of the official The Composer Series podcast, which is the pod edition of my radio show of the same name here on Express FM. Now, whilst this is the first episode of this particular venture, which means it may well be your first time listening and Thank you for doing so. It is not, in fact, our first Composer Series episode, which has been and continues to run on Express FM for, oh, about five years now. So if you're hearing this for the first time, welcome. Great to have you with us. And if you want to check out previous episodes that aired on the radio in the months and years gone by, please do go and check out archived interviews with such brilliant artists as Alan Silvestri, James Newton Howard, David Arnold, Mark Isham, and many, many more over at Mixcloud.com forward slash the composer series in the meanwhile though to the business of our first podcast in which much like the radio show i sit down with or get on a call to a well-respected member of the film tv and video game music community and we talk about their lives their careers their work and their passion for their art and take you behind the scenes of the soundtrack business and sometimes just sometimes We talk about biscuits. The aim is simple, to give you a front row seat once a week to conversations with the people that make the music you hear in the things that you love. And so to this week's guest, he was the very first guest on the very first episode of the Composer Series radio show back in 2017. So it's only right and very fitting that he's the very first guest for our very first podcast episode too. Just a quick recap on who he is though, my guest for this premiere episode is a multi-award winning film, television and video game music composer who has scored a multitude of magnificent projects for some of the biggest franchises and well-known series in the business. These include video games such as Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, Honor of Kings, FIFA 19 with Hans Zimmer, Assassin's Creed Revelations with Yes Kid, multiple Skylanders titles and the phenomenal Assassin's Creed 3. On television, you'll have heard his work in The Bible, The Crown with Rupert Gregson-Williams, Genius with Hans Zimmer, The Cry, Dope Sick, two seasons of His Start Materials for the BBC and HBO, and Amazon's recent The Wheel of Time, among many others. Upon which, for the latter two shows, adapted from best-selling books, of course, he created a wealth of volumes of incredible music to perfectly sonically illustrate the vast fantasy worlds portrayed on screen. As a composer for cinema and for movies in general, he's shone very brightly over the last decade or so, having so brilliantly scored many huge films, including Penguins of Madagascar, Terminator Genesis, The Lego Batman Movie, Ghost in the Shell, Mission Impossible Fallout, Gemini Man, Bad Boys for Life, The Tomorrow War, Marvel Studios' Black Widow and Michael Bay's Ambulance, to name but a few of his many great credits. He's also worked on easily the biggest and best blockbuster of the year so far, Top Gun Maverick, for which he produced and co-wrote the music score for, also wrote the music to Ulf Harker's charming rom-com Ticket to Paradise, as well as releasing some cracking soundtrack albums for some top family films too, such as Rumble and Secret Headquarters. This week, he's gearing up for the theatrical release of the epic big-screen adaptation of DC Comics' Black Adam, starring Dwayne Johnson in the title role and featuring a jaw-dropping score from tonight's featured artist on the show, the one and only Lorne Balfe. So grab yourself a cuppa and a Kit Kat or any other preferred chocolate treat of your choice really and enjoy this conversation I had with Lorne when I gave him a call over the weekend to talk about what kind of year he's been having so far since the release of Top Gun Maverick. 93.7 Express FM, John Brown here with you on the Composer Series and without further ado, time to give a big warm welcome back 
to the multi-award-winning and very hard-working composer who I think must hold the record for most films released within weeks or months of each other at the cinema by the same composer this year. And if not that, then he certainly holds the record for most appearances on this show. A fact I'm very proud of. Mr. Lorne Balfe, how are you, sir? I think everything you've said is totally correct, about, apart from the awards. They don't tend to follow me, but the, definitely um, the amount of times, A, on your show, and B, how much has been coming out this year. But that's not. I can't say that's on purpose. COVID created a big stockpile of movies. So it looks like I've been beavering, but I think some, uh, gosh, I think like Ambulance came out this year, but I actually, I think I started on that about two and a half years ago, Hmm. two years ago. Yeah. And COVID, Top Gun would have been three years ago, Mm -hmm. maybe. So yeah, it's just, it's all coming at once. And then you'll, there'll be, there'll be radio silence for about three years, probably come next year. <laughs> well, I hope not. Cause I've been really enjoying that. To be honest, I could get used to this. A Lawn Balfe album every week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> We're being spoiled at the moment, aren't we? <laughs> uh, ma- 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 many others won't, that's for sure. But it's, no, it's, uh, it's, uh, I think, I think everything is now. Well, I think Dungeons and Dragons is, yes. is going to be next year. But again, that, that, that I started on two years ago. So that, that'll be the last of the kind of the COVID lockdown backlog. So that's March, isn't it? Dungeons and Dragons, yes. I think. Hmm. Yeah. Looking yeah. forward to that very much so. It's really, really great to have you back. Quite seriously, thank you for being such an important part of the Composer Series history. I really, really appreciate it. And actually, last time, in fact, I said that to you, was earlier this year and we were talking about Top Gun Maverick and oh man what an absolute box office behemoth that became how are you feeling now looking back on its still continuing success Uh, it it did all right (laughs) (laughs) I don't you know I think I think it's truly amazing Mm. I think the fact that um look most importantly it's been I think it's it saved the film industry. Um, I, I know that's a big statement, but but it gave faith in the studios and cinema owners that people want to go back to the cinema. Yeah, and people want to uh, experience a film together, and that's really the that's the biggest achievement for all of us on the, on the show because because it could have they could have let it go to streaming and and that probably would have been the death of cinema because it would have shown that that size of movie and that budget of movie is possible for streaming. So we're really proud about the fact that it, it kind of, it gave faith that it, we can continue. And, and, and yes, it is going so strong. It's still, well, as of a couple of weeks ago, it's still in the top five. Yeah, it was. In the cinema. Yeah. So it's and it's great. It was designed for the big screen, where I have been. I actually I have, I did watch somebody watching it on their phone, but they got the same amount of enjoyment out of it. But, um, <laughs> but no, we we it, we we were very proud about the, f- the fact that it that it um, did what it did and brought people back into. It. I, I don't know how you feel, but during COVID, I thought, you know, we all kind of started upgrading our TV systems and our mm-hmm. speaker systems and it was kind of trying to kind of we thought great isn't this great we never need to go to the cinema again but then you sat there and then 
you'd like laugh at something and then you'd look around and all there was was a pillow next to you. There was, yeah. there was no, you had no interaction. So I, that to me actually was my wake up call where I just thought this is, I, I really hope we get back. So, so no, it was, it was a, just the, we were very proud of it. And also just the fact that, gosh, it's, it's hit every generation. It's my mother's generation is, is going to it and, and my son's generation is going to it. So yeah. it's been just a sheer joy to see what it's done. Do you think the secret of its success is that it does hark back to the good old-fashioned... We talked about this before, you and I, the, the movies we grew up with, the good old-fashioned traditional summer blockbusters. Do you think that's been the secret to, to its success? That it's gone back to those days of, of you know, long gone by of the, of the traditional summer blockbuster? Oh, I think it's gone back to the the past of of before those movies. I think it's gone back to movies like The Italian Job, mm. um, the con- the conversation movies where there was a heart and soul to to the story, and that the and and look, I think it it really does come down to Tom and Chris, the, the connection that they have, and the. The, the the importance that there is on storytelling and those emotional beats mm. and it's really rare that um, it's it's weird with the concept of movies that we're talking about it's rare to have a story <laughs> it's, it's not really <laughs> I, I've worked on a few where I've even at the end said I still don't know who did it but, um, <laughs> but no I, I think I think it's uh, no they, they are they have a passion and and Chris's writing ability is just, you know, unbelievable. And and it is that. I think I think friends of mine weirdly have, to, you know, talk about it. And the action is, is amazing, but it's not what they necessarily are talking about to do with that movie, which is, which is a rarity when it comes to a movie that has done so well as it has. Mm. Because you're you're trying to kind of uh, not, not compete against, but you're competitors in that size of success are very kind of cgi led movies Mm. and so the heart and soul of this film really is the kind of the the amazing thing and it really is there to the um McHugh and tom and and music and and musically you know my goodness yeah i was gonna say that next (laughs) you've got one no no i'm not i'm not saying it from my side i'm saying it from uh from the fact that you've got one of the most iconic cinematic themes, um, yeah, it's gorgeous that that Harold wrote, and so it's a great recipe. And that theme is so nostalgic, and uh, for those that remember the kind of the film, mm. um, and to the newer viewer, it's 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 a it's just a great new tube to them. Mm. So that that helps greatly. I know there were rumblings of an expanded score release. Is that still the case? There is. It's just called Time, and I don't have any. And I, I did get. Uh, I know I don't really. And and because the thing, no matter what you do, you're going to get it wrong. So I, you know, I, when making these albums, it, it, it's very difficult because if I release it with not enough music, I get on social media beaten that I should have. You know, why is there not more? Then you put more 
and then you get to well it should be less just focus on the good track so um <laughs> we just want to kind of just to try to kind of um just get a solid period of time where there is it does work and and also quite quite a lot of the soundtrack was was released but but like again this the, the album that came out was very kind of 80s it, it, it was songs and songs and school which you don't get a lot these days yeah. they either separate or they do um so we thought that first album was just a really good blend we just thought it's a, it's a good listening experience and it yeah. represents the film yeah but um but no we we have been working on it and then and then every time we kind of we try to sit down to do it then a deadline for another movie comes along and and black adam started heating up and, and i can only apologize that it's still not done but it, it'll it's... be worth the wait it'll be worth the wait <laughs> i know it will i know it will since then also that we, we've talked about top gun you had a couple of really great projects released that you scored uh, one of which was uh, john michael mcdonough's the forgiven which had a beautiful oh, yes. score tell us about your time working on the music for the film because I imagine it was quite a while ago now but tell us about your time working on the music for the film and and about some of those really gorgeous Moroccan elements you brought to the film's music well I'm really going to have to pull my brain back for this one <laughs> because I think John and I were talking I mean, this was probably three years ago I believe when when I started writing so so listen I, 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 lo- I love working with him because I think both times we've worked together i think he's always kind of felt i don't need any school it's going to be mainly source hmm. so it always start I, I start kind of writing and then i tried present a case of maybe but we could, we could make it possibly sound both and and it's a very kind of look i i i, I love his films and i love i i always love the way he, there's a there's a very extreme dark humor to them which i love and he's he's a great filmmaker so so there was a lot of the cues it was just it was it was an experiment because there had been a lot of kind of source tracks and and it's difficult because there's the, the characters are quite ghastly yeah they um, are <laughs> they're, they're, so 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 and but there has to be a kind of an un, you have to kind of musically give up i just I feel that you have to give a heart to these people somehow, because if not, we can't understand how they have fallen. Yes. And and if you play them straight as Darth Vader, then you just, you don't care. So they're, they're, they're always great challenges. So that was kind of one of the things that we kind of, we spent a, a, a long time, because also it was like during all these days you couldn't get into a room at the same time and you, everybody had to do things on Zoom or we yes. used a platform called Evercast which was uh, created by uh, one of the top editors Roger Barton and, and Evercast is, is basically it's like it's like Zoom but for filmmakers hmm. and it's high definition and Dolby and the visual effects houses work on it and, and we were doing a lot of that by music we did I think all of Top Gun 80% was done that way hmm. um, because we were all in on different continents and um, every two weeks somebody would test positive for something so yeah so so, John, so yeah we, we, we kind of wanted to kind of make sure that it wasn't uh, it, it was a 
mixture of you didn't know if it was traditional music, source music, or school. And yeah, that, that was that was a, that was good. Uh, I'm glad it came out also because I think, like like uh, you know, Black Widow seems a long time ago, but Black mm. Widow was at the beginning, of, and that and that ended up going streaming. Yes, it did, and so, and cinema. I think though, didn't it? Didn't, didn't wasn't it a dual release? It was a dual release, and, and yes, you know, it's. I think, I think, Rumble was an animation was meant to be cinema, but then that went streaming. Yes. Ambulance was kind of dual. They they let they they released it for like two weeks, I think, and then it went streaming. Mm. So, with John's film, it was it was it it kind of just hit an awkward time but then I'm so glad that it then did get released because it could easily not have yeah yeah and it did it did it made it way to cinemas only which was uh, which was good to see really good oh, to absolutely. see oh absolutely really good to see it was good to see it on the on the big screen so there's some beautiful cinematography in that film despite the characters being ghastly as you say it, it looks yeah. good <laughs> yeah but it looks good but then again you can't you know it's when you're watching it you know it, with with fines, it's just he's he's just amazing on screen. Yeah, he is. He he steals the screen, so it kind of makes it makes it kind of easier to write for in one respect. But but yeah, no. And but those kind of films are always. I love that size of film. I think I think as a composer, you can't just keep working in one certain genre or of one course. certain budget or something because yeah. I think you become become complacent. And and becomes a bit predictable. Also, I, I noticed with that, with a, with a with a film like that, and understandably with a film and a story like The Forgiven, you know, it's not as throw everything at the wall and kind of see what sticks. Or, or in terms of it's not as big and as loud and as and as epic as something like say Black Adam or Black Widow, which got me to thinking about the importance of restraint in terms of you oh. know how when you're a composer, where, where how important is it to kind of figure out when to throw everything at the wall and when to really, really pull back, you know? Because I imagine with a film like The Forgiven, you've got to kind of figure out that out in terms of, you know, that's, that's not going to need something that's massive and huge, say, because of the change of genre. You know, it's not like a comic book movie. Yeah. Restraint is, is interesting because I seem to... Musically, I think I'm quite good at restraint. With chocolate bars in the house and <laughs> and, and, and children's snacks and uh, <laughs> Pinot Grigio, uh, I seem to be failing badly. Um, but um, uh, no, I, I you know I I think it, it, it's weird. There is there is no rule, and I think that sometimes when you're working on smaller projects, you are going to do disturb. Uh, um, you're going to harm it if you start trying to have be too grand and mm. i think that what sometimes happens and i've seen it there was a kind of a trend maybe 10 years ago with british films where it was really if it was crime crime thriller noir genres it was to try to make the orchestra sound as big and as hollywood as possible mm. and it weirdly dated weirdly dated it and i think that some of the of that genre schools have have delved delved into the smaller ensemble like young americans with david arnold it was just it was a perfect it was just perfection mm. and it, it worked with it sounded like a pop ensemble 
IEES, just a small, a smaller sound. So restraint is difficult, and also it is. A, it, I think, and many of my my friends and peers and contemporaries, it, it, it's far easier to write for a large orchestra. Mm. And when you go smaller, it's very difficult because you've got nowhere to hide. And that that's kind of something to do with storytelling. I think it, it's it's like visual effects. You can you can get away with a film with a subpar plot, but if you but if you've got lots of explosions and visual effects, you can you you can bypass that 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 problem that there is no story. Um, <laughs> but the restraint is it's difficult um, for sometimes. But but I think that you've just got to. You've got to honour the film and honour mm. the story. Yeah, and and with John's film, there again, it was a, a, a small string ensemble and some traditional woodwinds and uh, some some djembes. It it was it was small because the way it was shot was was very close. Mm-hmm. Yes, there was there was there was wide shots where you could have gone for it, but I think we tried to do was have a smaller amount of musicians but have the, have it louder so that it felt bigger but straight no it's 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 a difficult one because i think sometimes you do want to throw the kitchen the kitchen sink at it mm. and um and funny even funny with 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 black adam was um i think you've got a justification because you see the fact in the scenes you couldn't give enough to Black Adam, I think. <laughs> by by <laughs> contrast, <laughs> yeah. so, so so I think you know that that's been a lot of fun because I think it's about yeah the, the it, it's you're totally justified to have the size of auction that we did and because because his character is larger than life yeah so so I think certain things like that and then smaller films that I've kind of worked on like Churchill that if you had gone any bigger with it i think i think you're just being a bit um you're trying to you're trying to say something you know it's like buying a designer handbag with a big logo on it i think it's just trying to say something that's not really the truth Hmm. what's the one thing as a composer you can't live without would you say and why kit kats Oh, musically or... <laughs> Thank you, sir. I knew you were going to give me a great answer. Thank you so this, much. <laughs> Kit Kats. Is this, is this a musical question? Or, or, or we can... Or, yeah, I mean, also musically. Also musically. I can't live without... Um, I can't live without technology. Hmm. I can't live without a sequencer, Cubase, or my computer. I, 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 I'm not traditionally trained, so I can't... I can't do pen, you know, I can't write uh, manuscript paper for the orchestra. So mm. that is the most important thing and the thing I cannot live without for me to do my job. Mm. I can sit there with the director and kind of play on the piano and kind of say ideas and everything, but I need to get those ideas out onto the orchestra and that, that needs technology. And the second second thing that I can't live without is it is my team mm-hmm. um, and I think we've touched on this before where the concept of of 
some people are acknowledging teams and some people don't and if they don't they're delusional but uh, you you really when you get to a, cer- a certain level of filmmaking where where ed- editors have eight eight or ten assistant editors you mm-hmm. can't do these things by yourself when when it gets to the the size of what we're working for sure so if you don't have those great people around you you're just unable to do it and it's a big it's a big discussion that with some people i i hear um but <laughs> you 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 just, you just you just can't i know what you mean you, yep you, you you need you you need it if you're going to work in that level in in the the top level of filmmaking you you need support to be able to get through the fact that a different cut of the movie is coming in twice a week and scenes that were at the beginning are now at the end yep it's a whole, whole different uh different way of 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 working so i've given you i've given you i'm going to give you a third one and also you need you need a you need you need an infrastructure in your life that allows you to do it you need yes you need a you need a partner and a family that understands that it's a it is a full-time job Mm -hmm. so seven days because you can't necessarily just choose when oh today i've got inspiration you don't have time for that You've, Mm -hmm. you've got you've got a deadline so you so you you need people that loved ones that kind of understand and and uh, support you for it. That was a long winded answer. That's a perfect answer. It's more a like number a... four. A number four Kit Kats. How about that? Kit Kats. If we say it enough times, do you think they might they might give us some? They better not because uh... <laughs> you've had enough. <laughs> no, no, I'm. I'm... I'm meant to be gluten-free and you name it, but I keep cheating at it. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Well, gluten-free Kit Kats. We can work on those. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I'm, listen, gluten is the worst of my wor- worries. No. Anyway. <laughs> Let's go back to some of the great work you've done. Obviously, well, I say some of the great work you've, you've done over the past couple of years, really, when you put it in that context. So, obviously, th- this stuff came out this year, but it's work that you've been doing for a few years now. Um, uh, one of those films... Uh, Summer just gone with Secret Headquarters, which was a which was a really great yeah. family action adventure movie starring Owen Wilson. Uh, it's on Paramount Plus for anyone that hasn't seen it. You're working again there with Jerry Bruckheimer. Some really really yeah. lovely themes in there, and I I adore that. Rather like you did with Rumble, actually, you you fuse those big epic classic orchestral adventure sounds with kind of modern electronic beats and synths and things. Tell us the story behind the Secret Headquarters score and some of the cool ideas and sensational themes we're hearing in there. When I spoke to Henry and Rel about this, when I read the script, it, it was exactly the film that I want to kind of sit and watch with my, my two children. Mm-hmm. It's the film that I I would watch with with my parents when I was young, like the Goonies, and it was a it was that feeling of a a gang of kids, a group gang gives you a different impression a group of of kids that you can totally relate to and you want to be you want to be friends with them and when i read that script i I just thought you know this is something i want to do but also it just so that we can as a family have that kind of um enjoyment so it was great to be able to kind of try to do those old classic themes that we used to hear a lot in the 80s and 90s but yep. kind of give it give it a spin and make and give it some, a bit of an electronic score also to match to match what we were looking at because it, it was a modern day family adventure 
Hmm. Yeah, so so that was that was a lot of fun. And and again, any time I get to work with Jerry, I pinch myself. It, it, hmm. It's just it's back to I've said before the reason when I was at school, I was I got into movies because of because all the movies I watched, the, the names on the screen were either Michael Bay. Hans Zimmer or Jerry Bruckheimer. That, those yeah. were the movies that made me got excited. So with Jerry, it's it's just um, it's just wonderful because you're always constantly learning. Yes. His point of view is is never selfish, and it's never kind of well. I know best. I, mm. I've never heard that. It's always come from from the from what the audience are telling him. Um, mm. in test screenings what the audience are saying mm. and and that's what he holds on to and and that is why is he is where he is and so so if you can work with people where you're still constantly learning that's the that's a great privilege in life because because i think i think once you stop learning it beca- you become complacent and it just becomes a job and yeah as of yet i don't I'm having fun, yeah. And with everybody I get to work with, it's it's like with 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 Michael Bay. You know, he he knows what action music is, and he doesn't want to keep hearing the same. He he wants to push me, and he wants to try different things, and he wants to hear different types of ways we can help an action scene. So it's great to have these people that that do push you. And I think if they just come to you and just say, "There you go," I, I think I'd give up because. I've been learning nothing. Let's look at Ticket to Paradise next, which was a another film you worked on, which debuted here in the UK a little while ago. I understand it's still about to make its US debut as well. I believe. Uh, I think it. I think it may be coming out at the same time as Black Adam. I think in the Possibly. US. It's. In I know it's. US. It's here. It's been here a little while. It's a, a a change of pace actually from the wacky family adventure vibes of, of Secret Headquarters, of course, or, or or the serious nature of the Forgiven. Yes. But t- Ticket to Paradise is a really funny, heartwarming, very charming, wonderful romantic comedy that that has, I think, some utterly gorgeous, gorgeous themes from you, which I found to be completely mesmerising. Quite simply, how did you do it? Uh, I had to. I had to go very, very deep to channel to channel my emotional side and the concepts of love, which, which took a while. Uh, but I, I think it was, um, look, you know, I think you have to, as a composer, I, I, I really believe that you have to choose projects based on the filmmakers and not the scripts. Yeah. Because the scripts change. They, on the first day of shooting, the, the, the names of the, the characters can change and the plot lines can change. So a lot can change. And I think you just have to look at who you're, who are the team hmm. and do they excite you? And I think that's for a- any level. I, th- I think it's, I-, I used to do that when I started off doing short films and I'd meet at kind of film festivals and there used to be a thing called shoot, uh, shooting people. I don't know if it still exists, but it was a networking and they used to organize kind of drinks and pubs. Everybody was out of work or they were needing work and, and you just connect with certain people. Yeah. And, and that, and that to me was very important because I kind of, I had, 
you had fun with those people. They they don't they weren't necessarily the most talented, but there was something about them that they had a unique voice, mm. and they and they were different. And that I thought that was that's um, it's it's like composers. You you get a lot of composers that can write the best melodies in the world, but they don't have the ability to kind of communicate um, with the director, and, and that's a problem. Yeah. So. I think I get pigeonholed sometimes for being in a certain kind of genre. And and out of the blue, weirdly, you know, I have to actually ask Ol, because I, I haven't actually asked him why he wanted me. But but Ol, part of the director, I obviously knew Mamma Mia, but Ol's also just a fantastic writer, hmm. um, as well as a director. And yeah, you'd think I would have asked why, because I, I, I don't. that's not part of my genre. Um, <laughs> But anyway, but he. Uh, but I was so glad he did ask me because it was again just. I, I love changing styles, and I hadn't really done something like this when, when I was working with Hands. I had worked on the Holiday, and yeah, I think maybe it's complicated. So I had kind of, I had worked in that meeting, but not really by myself. And so, so as soon as he asked me, and then. And then you find out it's Julia Roberts and George Clooney. You kind of go, oh, this is, you know, this is going to be fantastic. Jackpot. And, and oh, and the fact that you've got a great team there. Yeah. Um, and it was just, yeah, it was, it, it was just great fun to be able to kind of, yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a kind of a mental relief also to get out of the medium, whatever you're working with, which was, I think around that time I, I had just finished ambulance so it was it was just perfect timing but yes I, I like being able to try to change genre and change style because if not I think you just become a bit stagnant yeah and I think it's I think you're gonna look at it the same as actors do you've got to if you just keep playing the same character you're not going to evolve and and I think you you look at that with 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 the other composers which who, who have lasted um, so Hans was doing, you know, big movies in his four, late thirties. Yeah. Uh, so, so he's, but but he's always evolved, and the music's always changed, and it's the same with uh, with Danny Elfman. You know, he, yeah. the music has evolved, and I think that's you've got to kind of, no matter what. Yes, there is an art to this, and and it is creative, but. This is a it is a business, and you've got to kind of look at it and kind of, I think, remind yourself you've got to challenge yourself and try different things because if not, then you just pitch in your hole and yep. it's the same product and the same style, and that will go out of trend. I was just thinking while while we were discussing that actually about two kind of process questions. One, you were saying about things can change at the last minute, actors can change at the last minute, plots can change at the last minute. What's the biggest challenge you've ever faced in terms of a last-minute change? You know, uh, uh, <laughs> I've, oh, what, what's the scariest minute. one? What's the scariest one? No, There's probably no, been a no, few. Nothing's. I think the last minute is, is is having to come in last minute and try to kind of reschool something in two weeks. Mm-hmm. And again, I never kind of look at it as scary. It because you just don't you don't have time for it i think i think it's about it, it's about being prepared and and i've always kind of looked at it it's like 
like the Olympics. You've you've got you've got four years of training for the job, and yeah. then you're and then you're either ready or you're not. And I think that I kind of I I had fifteen years training, being an assistant to Hans and and a few other composers, Rupert Gregson Williams, and and you kind of I think those when those situations happen, you 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 you've kind of done it so you kind of know okay this is how we can help fix this problem yeah um and and i've had also before getting near near to the end when somebody somebody all of a sudden doesn't like the theme and you're kind of nearly finished and you can't you can't well you can and i know composers that do have you can't start fighting and just say nothing good. It's too late. It's not how it works. It's like yeah. okay, let's try. Let's figure out how to make it the best. And the short period of time, you will get it done. And and again, that comes back to having that support system around you, um, yes. so that you're you are able to do it. But but I think that it's like when I started Black Adam. I think in hindsight, if I understood the the pressure that there was going to be with this whole DC universe and everything that goes on with that. Yeah. I prob I probably wouldn't have been able to kind of write a melody because because now on hindsight, you know, everything's got a comparison and it's it's like did you did you give a nod to this or did you give a nod to that? And it's like we're you're reading too much into it. It's, yeah. It's it, we've only got twelve notes. <laughs> so we're, we're quite restricted, <laughs> and so so now I I think the last minute situations when you get when you have to get brought in to try to help with fix a, a school, and 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 also that when those situations when when rewrites happen, it's very little. I I I can't, and I've done a lot. I can't think of any of those times where it's been because the music was horrendous. It's been because of other things. Yeah, it's been because of lack of communication, bad uh, bad communication from from either camps, or or, or just the, the unwillingness to 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 change musically yeah. and change direction because you could be wrong. Again, what you write when that script is there, it can be a totally different thing to then when you are in the edit bay and it's a different beast so you have to be adaptable so i don't know if i answered your question or not john but i i, I think i think no i haven't because i think you you don't have time to you've got to kind of re, kind of try to be a bit realistic about it you did answer my question okay good <laughs> thank you there were, the second part to that was a slightly more fun one actually we were talking before and I've I've talked many times on this show about this about experimentation, of course, leading to discovery. And um, sometimes when you do have time to really explore ideas, uh, that's where what we call happy accidents happen. Yes. And what's been really for you? What's the, what's the best thing you've discovered by accident through your process as a musician? Uh, wrong notes. Yep. Wrong notes are just joyful. And I kind of and the, and the thing about it is that I'm not a, I'm not a particularly good player, so I'm not necessarily knowing where I am going when playing. 
Um, and I think that those kind of those discoveries, I think, are fantastic because all of, because if you follow the rules, you know that you wouldn't move to a certain place. Mm-hmm. But because you don't, that accident happens. That slight dissonance, that clash, happens, and it can be rather it can be rather beautiful. Yeah. Um, and mistakes can happen where you can accidentally play two pieces of music at the same time and go, gosh, that's quite interesting. Um, so I think I, I love mistakes, and I and I think that time gives you the ability to experiment, uh, and it's and and time is a luxury. Deadline d- deadlines are the best thing in life, I think, because it kind of put it puts a stop to all of that, and it just says you now have you have to focus and and get it done. Mm. But I but I, but mistakes, I love them, uh, I, and that's why I love working with musicians when they when they play something. When musicians play something, the reasons we work with musicians actually is because we we. We want imperfections. Yeah, that's how I look at it. Because the thing is, is that all of a sudden that orchestra starts playing, and Perry, who's the leader of the orchestra, will kind of say, "Well, why don't we play it like this?" And they'll change the kind of the bowing or the uh, the the phrasing of it, and it's a total different way. And that happened because because when they did the first read, there was a that somebody kind of tried something, or you know, it, it, that's what makes it fun. Yeah, I think if you don't, it's your robot. Yeah, and it's and it's there. There can be no experimentation, which 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 makes no fun to it. And, and I think it's it's like working with 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 drummers. Uh, you know, I'm a percussionist, but with, with drummers, when you kind of you've got an idea in your head, and you know, here's the groove, but then they they propose something else. It's like, whoa, that's ten times better because they live and breathe this kind yeah. of concept. So, I, I think. For some reason, it probably goes back to the schooling system where, where we're petrified of making mistakes. It's it's wrong to make a mistake. It's wrong to take a risk, and if I, I just don't think it's a good way to look at things when you're being a creator. You you want you want to get it out of your system, and because it can lead, it can lead to a new discovery. Yeah, and. Yeah, I I, th- I think you you need to not be fearful of of making a mistake. You can get that concept out of your mind. You've heard it. Fine, move on. Yeah, I think Hans and Hans always says something, doesn't he, about throwing the rule book out? Uh, yes. Yeah, because because I think that what's the point when you're a purist and you say, oh well, shouldn't be using synthesizers and with an orchestra? Why why not? Well, Mozart would have done it. Yep. Bach would have done it if it existed. Yeah. So don't be elitist. It's wrong, and it's it, it's another color that you can add to to your template to the film. If you if you didn't want progression, we would still be watching silent black and white movies. Yeah, exactly, it's, exactly that. It's it's, <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. So so there's no reason not to, and and I think that experimentation can be fun and it can evolve because we you can't just keep writing the same genre and everything sounding like it's from 1970 we we've moved filmmaking has moved on so yes. so should music so yeah so it's a shame for 
some people but but you have you have to move on but the experimentation i think is very important and that and that not not worrying about making a mistake it, it's, it's what have you watched the the beatles documentary i haven't on, the, the uh, disney plus one yeah, yeah i haven't i've been meaning to it, it, it it's just anybody that wants to kind of understand the concept of, of writing it, it's an unapologetic truthful journey where then they're, they're not concerned about making a mistake they're not concerned about the, not having the lyrics and singing utter gibberish <laughs> it shows a clear example of how you create something you don't just all of a sudden sit down and gold is created it's a journey of of errors it should it, i think it should be that so that you can try different things if not then it's quite purist and monotone and uh rigid which which is no fun no and if you're a composer a young aspiring composer listening right now there's your message make all the mistakes throw everything at the wall yeah and also just know that don't don't worry about somebody saying it's not good because that's their opinion yeah and who cares yeah it's really you're never going to please everyone and i always remember at college being kind of told that I wrote cheese. I I remember once getting told I, I wrote cheesy Irish film music, what? Um, and 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 I don't know where the Irish came from. I, I, being Scottish, I thought, well, okay, <laughs> say Scottish, you might have a valid point. But, but what they were trying to get at was it was melodic, yeah, and and it was looked down on to kind of write tunes. So I think there's always going to be somebody that says to you that you're what you're creating is no good and that's fine that's their opinion did we just inv- did, did they just invent a genre there as well cheesy irish film music cheesy irish no, do you know what you know, it, 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 it was it was a it was a conversation it was a uh, it was a big composition exam and there was about 10 pupils and i think i was about 21 and and basically i i knew i was in for trouble when the first six pieces got performed because the first piece there was two of them at a piano and nobody played anything on the keys all they were doing was banging it and like hitting the piano and shaking the piano and then the second person handed a thesis paper to everybody in the audience about what this piece of music was going to be and it's about like 40 pages and basically basically got onto the stage and was uh, and hummed one note for about ten minutes, and uh, I, I just thought, oh, well, we know what's going to happen uh, because I'd written, I, I just wrote, I wrote some melodies, I wrote some tunes, and I and had it for piano and violin. Anyway, the adjudicators were kind of going through uh, everybody before me and just congratulating them, especially the humming one. That was like they, they were so in awe of that. That was just um, amazing, and then they just said, "And um, is Lorne Balf here?" <laughs> and they and, he's, and and they actually said, "Please, please stand." <laughs> I thought this is this is only going two ways, and I don't that I don't believe it's going to go where I want it. And and he and he just said, "What what can be said about this apart from cheesy Irish film film music?" <laughs> and, and it was and all it was. was 
and and, and yes, they, they all, the professors there were laughing, and the ripples of laughter kicked into the audience. And I could find it at all funny. Anyway, <sighs> but, it, but but you know, it, it is. It just teaches you that you just got to kind of understand that it doesn't. What's more important is the person that you're working with, and that mm. the fact that if they if they've employed you and they want to work, winning that award means zero. Because because it's there's always there's a story to most awards, <laughs> and yeah, how, and how it gets there. So so yeah. just focus focus <laughs> on what you're doing. Is that a rabbit hole we want to go down right now? <laughs> uh, do, do, <laughs> we could do another whole episode about. We yeah, we think, probably I, could. <laughs> I, I think I think everybody. I think it's clear that yeah, you know, yeah, marketing is a very big thing, and yeah. and, and if you if you're gonna you, you you see that the budgets of movies are sometimes m- the marketing is more than what the budget was of the movie. <laughs> I, you know, it, it, it's amazing. They're going to spend more so that it can, when it's award season, because that award means then people will go back and start watching it again. So it yeah. can be productive, but you're right. It, it is a rabbit hole. It is rabbit, it's it, a whole nother podcast. For ne- <laughs> <it> for next <laughs> year. <laughs> let's, let's move to, um, to Black Adam. Speaking of huge movies, which have had very excellent marketing campaigns, I must say, uh, and I and I'm guessing that's largely down to the Rock and his team, who are very very good yeah. at marketing things. Um, this is DC's latest blockbuster. I mean, it's set. Like, I say blockbuster. It's set to be a huge blockbuster, and let's hope it is. Starring the Rock um, as the much loved character from the comics. Now, this is a film I know a lot of people are very excited for and with what comes with that sorry comes a new score from you two how did this one come your way and what was it about black adam that caught your interest as a composer it's interesting i'm just thinking what is a blockbuster in I modern times blockbuster. yeah well yeah <laughs> in modern uh, times <laughs> um i have to um both who's the Mate, one of the producers on the show and Aaron from uh, Warner Brothers came to me about it and look again it's one of these weird things I, I, you're never too sure why somebody comes to you uh, but but you know the weirdest thing you then find out down the line it's because of of friendships and and you then find out that this person is good friends with this friend that you've worked with for the last 15 years and and I think a lot, a lot of the time, you know, it's like any other thing in life. It's, it's yeah. recommendations. Yeah, word of mouth. Uh, yeah, word of mouth. He, you know, he, we get on with him well. He's he's fun. He's great to work with. And uh, so that was the kind of that was the duel. Uh But it really came down to about what what is the future? What is you know, it's a big statement, but what is the future going to be with this universe? But we look. There were so many side conversations. One thing, yes, we've got the Black Adam theme, but then we've also got the Justice Society. Yeah, and 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 that one was the kind of the one that spent we spent the longest on, really, because it was something that we wanted. You know, the, the audience don't. A lot of the audience don't necessarily know who the Justice Society is. They 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 go the Justice League. That's who they know. The majority, yes, will know because there has been a film. So, so with the society, I really wanted to kind of make it as classic and I will say old-fashioned as possible because yeah. you wanted it so that people could feel 
that this was nostalgic and also make it contemporary because you are being introduced to these new characters but but they're not new they have pre-existed for for a long time so so we really wanted to kind of give a, a nod to the past and make it feel nostalgic but but very contemporary so so a lot of time was spent on that and then with black adam's theme i i feel that it was that it's always very nerve-wracking when you when you had to kind of when you present the theme to the creators for the first time because they've been they've been living with it well especially dwayne's been living with it they've been wanting to do it for 12 years is it 14 yeah, years yeah something insane like that isn't it yeah very um, long time and, and and so have the whole team and then Balfi Boy turns up a year before and, and it's like here you go this is what, what I'm late to the party but, but have a listen to this so you spend a lot what I try to do is you kind of spend more time listening and talking than writing with a situation like that because this this is this isn't a job to them. This is per- deeply personal, yeah, and and, and emotional to them. So yes, we we all spent just a um, a long time, and and the director Jawa and I would kind of again because I I think I had just had COVID. I can't remember, so I wasn't able to fly to LA. So so zooming all the time, uh, but talking about this character and this kind of. The, the size of film so you know I think about five months was spent thinking about it and then I finally sat down for a week did it it's a big movie it feels big we wanted it to sound big and the, and the visual effects are just amazing it's it's I, I've seen I've seen it in the I've seen it on the big screen twice now and it's my goodness you're, it, you, you lose your breath in some of it yeah it's good fun which is again comes back to you and I our t- taste the movies and what, why we go to the cinema. Yeah, it's our, it's our kind of movie. Yeah, for sure. So, which actually led perfectly to my next question, which was what kind of you know what kind of time are we in for seeing that movie? Because and and I'm coming to you for this myself as well because I haven't seen it yet either. But from from an audience perspective, I know a lot of people are excited. What kind of ride are they in for? That's the question that everyone's asking right now. Oh, it's a, it's definitely a good it's definitely a good ride. I tell you what, it's better than the rides that I had about a month when we finished recording. My son and I went over to do the final recording sessions mm. um, in, in in LA, and the day before we we went. It's not really related to the scoring session, but anyway, um, <laughs> we, the day the, the day before we we decided to go to all the usual theme parks. Of course, uh, uh, I tell you what, I, I'd forgotten the concept of queuing for so long. For, for a two-minute ride, that's not that's not right. There was like waiting times of three hours, oh and then God. you get on it, and it's and it's like your ride's over by three minutes. Um, anyway, so so this is a better ride than that. That's for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You've, got, you, you've you've got you're meeting first. You're being introduced to a whole new league of superheroes with the Justice Society. And, and then also Black Adam, which I don't think that a lot of people weren't really aware of. So it's a whole new superhero universe that that's going to, I think, excite people. And it's a great movie. And Jama is just, he's a great, he is a fantastic director. I'd always liked all of his films in the past. He does make um, fun films. Really fun oh, films. He, 
I'm very fortunate that he that I'm getting to work with him again on his next movie. So Ooh. so I, I I really he knows how to shoot action and but also it's bigger than that. There is a there is a father and son story to this movie. Yeah, that is very important. And so it, it's not just about action. There, there is a, a story there that you will love. And all, all I can say is, is my son's seen it now four times. That's <laughs> how much he loves it. So, Excellent. So, so. Recommendation from our target audience there. Highly recommended four times. Yeah. Just a couple of things I want to, before we wrap up. Um, one, one of the things, of course, was the reaction to the, to the theme, because that theme is just phenomenal. And so much so that uh, the Rock's reaction to it was 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 just wonderful. How did how did you feel when you saw the Rock's reaction to it, and and you know how was that for you as a moment as a as a creator of something to see it being appreciated in such a way that the Rock really really took it in. Well, I like I like the fact that he you know he was telling everybody to listen to it as a pre uh, warm up, then a workout, then a post workout. I. I can barely get through two sit-ups listening through it, but but <laughs> the, um, you know everybody's. I, I'm glad it's working. Now look, that theme is to me it's Black Adam, but it's also part of him. Yeah, it's the same way as I feel that whenever I get to work on Mission Impossible, that that Lalo's theme. Yeah, it's I've always looked at it personally as Ethan's theme, which is Tom, which is Tom. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Very few times you get to kind of do that, where you where the theme kind of can, kind of can relate to the the character and the actual person. I kept very much in mind when writing it uh, the the essence of Black Adam, but the power of the rock. There is a presence there like no one else. Yeah, you know, and you see and you see the amazing way with crowds, the way he interacts with them mm. uh, at Comic Con this year when he arrived. Not, not many people could pull that off in the outfit, kind of coming in, rising up in the main hall. It's amazing to have the, you know, you, not many could pull it off. Yeah. So, so it's, you write for the character and you write, I took a lot of inspiration of, of him and, and the passion that every time he talked about this project, it wasn't a paycheck. This was something that he yeah. had been trying to get made. Life for, goal. Yeah. So uh, and kept being told no, and kept trying and kept being told no. So persistence. uh, Well, well, yes, and that's the thing about the theme is that I tried to kind of make sure that it was there was a sense there was relentlessness to it, and it could have gone other ways. Right, it could have been elongated theme. I wanted it short and immediate and powerful, and uh, impactful. So so that it did did relate to him. So. It's been fun seeing how um, he's. Uh, listen, I don't think he's the only one using it in the gym. A, a lot, of, a, lot, a lot of friends seem to be texting me saying it's got me through my five mile run. So yeah, I'm just gonna have to. I'm just gonna have to take learn from this. Learn from it. You should also, John. You should give it a go in the gym. I reckon I should. Do you know what? I think I think I'm going to. But I, I'm thinking back on what you were saying there. I think that not only has this been very warmly received by him as you say, as the theme to the movie, I honestly think he has adopted this as his theme, as a as a person. I think he's going to carry that theme around with him for a very long time, I think. Well, 
I, I look at these things and I kind of feel that I've I've written it and I've said goodbye now to it. So it not to sound too artsy, but I feel <laughs> that it, it 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 doesn't it doesn't it doesn't belong to me. But it, it belongs to. It's very much like when I was working on Dark Materials and, and Wheel of Time. I, I, I feel that when, once I've written it and done it, I, it, it belongs to the audience or the or, or the or the fan base because they live and breathe this. And with with Dark Materials was very much because I I was a reader. I wrote it kind of in res- coming from the point of view as the reader. So that I, so that I kind of always had that memory of those characters. So, so this is something that, uh, yeah, and and it's it's always intimidating when you when you know you've got the right the main theme of anything because because you could you, you know you could rawly mess it up. Yeah. So I'm just I'm happy that it's um, I'm happy that people are enjoying it. So it's it's good. It's fun. Do you ever get, I was just thinking about that, do, do you ever get that when you're reading a book that you've got nothing to do with, you're not connected to that movie or, or any f- future film or television adaptation, but just as a human being, but also as a composer, do you ever get that when you're reading a book, your mind starts employing or making up themes for moments that are happening in the book from a composer's point of view? Yeah, uh, yes. Well, I, I specifically I specifically did that with weirdly... Uh, when I knew that they were making dark materials, I contacted them because I knew, I knew what, it, not, not, I knew what, I knew what it should be. I know that's, yep. that's, uh, but, but, but because I, I had done it, but, but with mission impossible, I'd had, I don't know, 15 years, 20 years, maybe of knowing what I wanted to do with the theme. <laughs> it was a long, a long pitch, but I always knew that, um, you know, from the TV show, my father used to watch it, and then from the first one that Danny Elfman did, I, I, I had a long warm-up session, knowing what I want to do with with that theme because I was the because I was the audience, and I would, I would sit there and I'd sometimes whistle the theme and think in my head what else you could do to it. So those situations where I think. Even even if it's a franchise, if it's a franchise with, with Terminator, I, I, I'd be brought up with that that rhythm, and always thought, why doesn't somebody do this, and why doesn't yeah. somebody do that? So, so with that, yes, and and I think with with the books, you sometimes, but but then I think that's the point of the scripts when when you get you're able to get the scripts early on, and you 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 start writing and you imagine these characters and and what they are, so. I always try to, especially when we're at that stage, is to start writing when you've got the script and make it a, a kind of a, a, a whole organic process yeah. so that it, the music isn't the, the last moment. It is part of the, the whole journey. And just finally, uh, I think actually on that note, we, we talked about all the things that, all the amazing kind of universes that you've got to play in musically, you know, Marvel, DC... Mission Impossible, Dark Materials, Terminator, all these wonderful things. Is there still, and there might, I'm sure there must be, but are there still other worlds that exist that you still want to play in? You know, like maybe... Yes, a- yeah, yes there is, but I will never say what it is. Because it, it will, is that like bad it, luck, apparently, if you say it out loud? 
Yes. Someone absolutely. someone else said that to me. Yeah, I I had a lovely conversation with an actor once, and I said, "Who who who have you got designs on? You know, who what's what's your dream? Your kind of vision it's board?" Funny. And he said, "I'm never <laughs> saying it to you because I'll never get them if I do." Yeah, and it's, but I bet you it's probably the, I bet you it's the same project. That's why. <laughs> well, one one of them. Yeah, I actually know. I I think I I think I know because we had a conversation yeah. afterwards off 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 tech on, on a text, and he told oh, me exactly what those two properties are. But one of them definitely didn't involve uh, one of Britain's most legendary spies. But anyway, well, um... <laughs> <laughs> oh well, then 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 we don't agree on the same thing. Uh, okay. But they, uh, <laughs> they, they, no, I think it's I, I think I think you yeah you don't tempt fate sometimes. You, you just no look i'm so fortunate to be to be able to kind of working with who i get to work with i literally just had um the last week i've literally just had jerry brookheimer at my studio uh, I, you know it, it's just a dream come true so i get to do that and i'm working with McHugh and Tom and all all these great filmmakers and michael it, it, and the new generation like Jama there's a great new future out there with filmmakers happening so yeah um and i think and i think you know it's like genre wise still never gonna fully get i i, I don't think i'm ever gonna commit to the horror genre because i still don't know what to do with it because i, I you know no. i think chris young did a you know beat it and so did hands with hannibal so i i i, I don't know yeah, but yet I love that genre. I watch it all the time. Yeah, but um, but no, with any of those franchises, we we know what they are. We just don't discuss them. We don't discuss. Them. It's all right. I'm thinking of a couple in my head, which I think I know you haven't done yet. But anyway, I'm not going to say well, them out one, loud. One of them, one of them, I've been offered, and I and I said no. So. <gasps> <laughs> oh, can can we not? Can you can you not bring that out loud? No. No, because no, oh, no, no, no. it wouldn't ruin the bad luck, would it? But okay, no, 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 that's fair enough. No, because you never know. You may, you may need to one day. But uh, no, I think you say no, but because sometimes you might not. To me, regard, to me, it was about I didn't know what to do with it. Well, that's fair that's what it came down. That's what it came down to, uh, mm. and I think that it's all very well getting to that position when you can be offered things but but if you don't know what to do with it then then you i don't you don't you do an injustice to the audience because yeah, you're sure. just doing something for the past and 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 i think it's that that's the tricky thing about the genre of superhero movies i think you 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 know what the safe bet is and i think we can hear it in our heads what the safe bet is yeah it's just the good old orchestra play da, 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 you know and you and it will work but i think it it does a bit of an injustice so so it's i think you've got to kind of approach things and have a have an idea if, if you don't then you'll fall flat well i think you've done justice to the justice society yeah <laughs> I, i've been waiting <laughs> to get that in for ages wow. <laughs> wait for ages to get that in anyway Perfect, um yeah the album's out now of course black adam the soundtrack's out right now the movie comes out on the 21st everyone should definitely go and check that out because it's awesome according to lawn and <laughs> children <laughs> and the rock and literally everybody else i've spoken to that have managed to see it had like the most yeah. awesome time so yeah check yeah. that out and there's, you've also got there's the, there's the quote from 
the album. This album is awesome, according to the composer. <laughs> this, this album is awesome, according to its composer. No, I, I think puts puts. I see. Now I've forgotten it already. Puts put gives justice to the justice. So justice, justice society. I like that. I think we'll use that at some point after we've released this. Thank you so much for your time. I know you've still got Dungeons and Dragons and Mission Impossible and all these kind of awesome things to come up next year. Hopefully, yeah. um, we'll talk about those then as well. Lorne Balfe, thank you very much. And just so everybody knows, I've got a head cold from hell, and. John is having to edit this whole episode with me <laughs> blowing my nose and coughing up phlegm. Just so nobody thinks, God, he sounds half asleep and dozy. It's not. It's there. Is, there was a reason to it. And all the coughs and the and the sneezes that you haven't heard up to the point of this recording is because I spent an afternoon making sure you could <laughs> never hear them. <laughs> well i hope you feel better soon thank you so much for this i really really appreciate uh you doing this My especially pleasure. always a pleasure talking to you and thank you for the show also i you always get a lot you get a lot out of everybody on it because i i listen to it so it's, i find it always really interesting thank you that that means a lot especially coming from you thank you very much all right that is a wrap Thank you, John. And there we go. My recent conversation with the brilliant composer and friend of the composer series, Lorne Balfe. Thanks, Lorne. And what a way to kick off our first podcast, which I hope you enjoyed listening to as much as we did making it. To get more information on Lorne, head on over to his website, LorneBalfe.com. He's also Lorne Balfe, L-O-R-N-E-B-A-L-F-E, at Lorne Balfe on all your favourite social media platforms. Ticket to Paradise is in UK cinemas now and drops into US theatres on the 21st of October, as does DC's Black Adam, which gets its global cinema release also on the 21st of October. Top Gun Maverick is available right now on digital download with a 4K Blu-ray and DVD release coming on October 31st. And of course, the soundtracks to all of the above by Lawn are available right now from Backlot Music, Water Tower Music and Interscope Records, respectively. It's a good time to be a Lawn Bow fan. That's all from me for this week. Do check out expressfm.com and all your usual podcast supplier for updates on the next episode or follow us on social media. You can find me at John Brown TV. That's J-O-N at John Brown TV or at ExpressFM. And if you enjoyed the show or even if you didn't, do let us know in the comments. It'd be great to hear from you. In the meanwhile, though, keep rocking those soundtracks and I'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening.